The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 118th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my event of the week that I attended. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by a new guest, Matthew LePan, the Patriots writer for Pro Football Spot, as well as the NFL draft writer for Football.com. Both Matthew and I were at last night's rainy Patriots-Jets game, so we're going to discuss that, and... Uh, other football items as well. And then in a half hour, our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, as in Alabama, the day before the Alabama-Texas A&M Game of the Year, uh, will be joining us. So we'll have some great talk with uh, an inside information from A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week was Monday night watching Chip Kelly unveil his long-awaited and much-heralded offense down in Washington, D.C., and he put on quite a show. I don't know when I've enjoyed a half of football as much as I enjoyed that first half watching that Philadelphia offense. It was absolutely incredible to watch Michael Vick, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, and the rest of that offense just move up and down the field. It felt totally new age, next level, and I've always loved watching Oregon, but this was just like up a level from that because it's, it's men versus boys, shall we say. They're in the NFL, and it looks like he has just the perfect cast of characters in McCoy, Vic, Deshaun Jackson, and others to execute that fast-break offense. It was, just, it was breathtaking to watch. I, I was just all in, completely immersed in watching it. Obviously, they slowed down in the second half. Washington picked it up. RG3 had a lot of rust, needless to say, uh, especially in the first half. But the amazing thing to me was 
last year it felt like the Washington offense with the RG3 was just, you know, again, the next big thing. But that offense, even from last year and certainly on Monday night, Washington offense looked in slow motion compared with the Eagles offense. So I was texting a good college friend from uh, Philly, lifelong Philly resident, big-time sports fan, knowledgeable, and told him he is going to have a fun season. So good for them and good for Philadelphia. I think they're going to have an enjoyable season. Whether or not that translates into winning record and playoffs and things like that remains to be seen. I think it does. So it is going to be fun to watch Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia fast break offense. Sticking with football, my low light of the week are the two reports that come out this week alleging misdeeds in college football. Yahoo Sports come out with a story about uh, SEC and Sports Illustrated come out with a series still coming out in progress, shall we say, uh, alleging misconduct at Oklahoma State. So for this to happen, you know, right in week two, basically week three maybe of college football, it's just uh, obviously a huge distraction. And it was certainly punctuated by uh, Nick Saban's press conference where he basically stormed off the podium uh, yesterday. It was priceless, and I mean absolutely priceless. Uh, Tough to get a handle on how much teeth these reports seem to have. There seems to be, uh, you know, a lot of questions from fellow journalists on the validity or the seriousness of these stories, these allegations, uh, a bit of a ho-hum attitude emanating from some journalists, but obviously bears watching, needless to say. Oklahoma State especially was under, uh, uh, was being coached by Les Miles uh, when these alleged infractions occur, and the Yahoo story on some SEC Misconduct includes a couple of Alabama players uh, now in the NFL. So uh, we shall see what this yields. But uh, again, I consider it a low light just because it really, you know, kind of took the spotlight off the game of the year. Again, witness Nick Saban's press conference yesterday. There was no football talk. He basically stormed off when uh, all anybody wanted to talk to was... uh, was talk about was, of course, the Yahoo Sports report, and he, he was having none of it. My bizarre story of the week was watching last Saturday night's Michigan game where quarterback Devin Gardner was given Tom Harmon's old number 98. So it was just completely bizarre to watch a quarterback in 2013 at a major college football program playing a game, high profile to say the least, in the big house, uh, 110,000 plus, wearing number 98. I, I just like throughout the evening, and it was a great game, very entertaining. So throughout the evening, I just kept, uh, you know, watching in disbelief as uh, old number 98 is just, uh, you know, a precision quarterback all over the field, impressive performance, and again, just wearing number 98, I thought was really bizarre. Uh, it was equally bizarre that uh, his main receiver in the game was wearing 21, reminding me, of course, of Desmond Howard, Heisman Trophy winner from Michigan. So all in all, it was just, uh, again, a bit of a surreal 
uh, viewing experience, needless to say. But I liked it. I liked it, for sure. I thought it was pretty cool. And Tom Harmon, a legend, and great to see his son, Mark Harmon, actually being interviewed as well. So, my event of the week that I attended was the Sports Business Journal, Sports Business Daily, Game Changers Conference down at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square in New York City on Tuesday. It was the inaugural event called Game Changers. It was the intersection of women in sports. So again, it was basically the inaugural first ever event of its sort with a complete focus on women and sports. It was terrific. Uh, I write for the NFL Player Engagement website. We have a new, fairly new, couple months old women's engagement section of the website. So there was a lot of good uh, information at this conference. And first, uh, the panel, the, the conference kicked off with a panel that included uh, NFL's chief marketing officer, Mark Waller, as the only man on the panel, but he had quite a uh, quite a group of six other panelists with him, and they had a spirited discussion. There was Val Ackerman, commissioner of the Big East Conference, Stacy Allister, chairman and CEO of the WTA, Lisa Baird, CMO of the USOC, Bernadette McGlade, commissioner, Atlantic 10 Conference, Kathy Milthorpe, CFO of the LPGA, and Laurel Ritchie, president of the WNBA. As all you listeners know, I uh, I cover the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA, so it was particularly interesting for me to hear Laurel's comments and, of course, Mark Waller's as well. And then the keynote address immediately followed from uh, Indra Nui, the chairman and CEO of PepsiCo. So all in all, it was just a tremendously... Uh, informative, high-spirited conference, packed, just packed. Uh, The room was overflowing, and really the heavy hitters of women in sports were there, and I think that, uh, you know, it just really touched on the arrival of uh, women in the sports world in every way possible, be it women's sports, i.e. WNBA, LPGA, be it women achieving higher executive positions throughout the world of sports, and on and on and on. It was just uh, truly a remarkable, uh, remarkable conference and kicks off the uh, conference season for... Sports Business Journal and uh, Sports Business Daily, they basically hold three conferences, three or four conferences between now and Christmas uh, down in New York for the most part. And, you know, there's sports marketing, there's a college sports uh, conference, and it. Uh, I've attended many of them over the years, and they're all absolutely terrific. So, uh, but nothing like going to the first one ever, and I knew it was going to be good. It's always good. They do a great job with their conferences, and uh, and again, this one was no different. So, uh, you know, they also talked about facts like uh, an inside look at women's sports consumption and participation patterns, uh, a session on corporate marketers, how they reach women, 
and other target markets through sports and entertainment platforms. Anna Finicune of the Global Strategy and Marketing Officer for Bank of America was one of the speakers. There was another session on examining the hiring trends uh, in sports, where do women stand, and then uh, wrapped up with uh, covering the coverage of today's mainstream media, how they're covering women's sports. Again, I'm in the media. I cover women's sports, like the WNBA, the Connecticut Sun. So great to see that session. And again, all in all, just an excellent, excellent conference. And uh, just good to see that, you know, Sports Business Journal was ahead of the game and, you know, uh, focusing on this growing, growing area in the sports world. And uh, it's good to see. So with that said, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us for the first time is Matt LaPan, the Patriots writer for Pro Football Spot, as well as an NFL draft writer for football.com. How are you doing today, Matt? Pretty good, John. How are you? Good. You and I were both at the Patriots game last night, so I need to ask, uh, have you dried out? Um, just barely. I think, uh, I think my socks might still be a little wet. That was a, a crazy storm. 
That really was. It, it arrived it so suddenly, it was just right shocking. After, uh, right after Teddy Bruschi's speech there, guys just opened up like I've never seen before. I totally agree. I was uh, Fortunately, my seats are undercover, and it was just, uh, again, the, the Teddy Bruschi ceremony, and in a split second, it was just torrential downpour. It's like highly, highly well, unusual, to say the least. I guess that kind of set the tone for the night, because... Uh, it was, a, it was an abysmal game, and it was some abysmal weather. Well, it really was. And, you know, so let's take a little, little time here and talk about the game. I mean, high energy, you know, Thursday night, home opener against the uh, hated rival, the New York Jets, and uh, coming, them coming in off their big win, and uh, the Patriots coming in off their not-so-big win and uh, over Buffalo, and... I got to tell you, when Tom Brady hit that wide open receiver early in the game, uh, I just said, uh, that's it. The route is on, and here we go. It certainly did not turn out that way. Yeah, I mean, when he hit Dobson early in the game, it, it looked great. Dobson, first career catch with a long touchdown. The Jets looked out of sync. The Patriots were moving on offense. And then all of a sudden, it just came to a grinding halt. The Patriots got out of their no huddle offense, and, uh, Looked like the Jets' defensive front really had the number of the Patriots' offensive line throughout the night, and it really affected Tom Brady. Not to mention with all the drops from his uh, young receivers. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, video footage of Brady on the sidelines being extremely frustrated. He actually addressed his quote body language in the postgame press conference, just something he rarely, if ever, does. Uh, but it was pretty over the top. But the way I'm looking at it, Matt, is, you know, living here 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, as you do as well. Uh, here we are, a mere, you know, week, less than a week into the NFL season. The Patriots are 2-0 and with two division wins. It just kind of feels like, and I'm sure this is going to strike a lot of fans across the country that are listening uh, as spoiled Patriots fan. But, you know... With what we're used to, it just feels like, well, that's it. They're on their way. You know, wake me up when it's January a little bit. I mean, it, to say they're in great position, neither win was impressive, but they're 2-0 and with two division wins, not playing very well. So it's pretty amazing, right. actually. And the Patriots, you know, last night was their 12th win over the division, so I guess it's nothing too surprising that they've won both of these games. It's the fashion that they're winning these games, and, for the past couple of years, it's been the offense carrying the defense. And Tom Brady, Wes Welker, Rob Gronkowski, they've carried defense that's really been subpar over the past few years. And through the first two games, you look at it, and it, the roles have kind of reversed because Tom Brady's throwing to guys like Kenbrell Tompkins and Aaron Dobson, and even James Devlin made a catch last night. The Patriots almost never use a fullback until this year when, out of necessity, they're using James Devlin nearly half the offense is snapped. Right, and he's been, James Devlin has been like cut and brought back two or three times already just in recent weeks, so, uh, you know, it is an unlikely yeah, cast of... The Ross Ventrone of this year, I don't know if people remember a couple years back, yeah. but uh, Ross Ventrone was cut and brought back 23 times, and it uh, looks like Devlin's on pace for that this year. Well said, Matt, exactly what I was thinking. Uh I'm a big Ross Ventrone fan, and his his brother Ray, I believe, because they're uh, they're from Pittsburgh and played in the same their high school is in the same conference as my high school. So uh, I've tracked both yeah, of their both, careers. They're and, both yeah. great guys. 
So uh, never talk bad about Ross. I just it, it was amazing to see how often he would be brought back and forth and back and forth and on the practice squad and on the active roster. I know he was a great special teams player. Uh, they both maximized their talent to the nth degree and both, you know, logged some serious time in the NFL. They deserve all the credit. They really do. But yes, he was there. He was the Patriots swing guy. And, you know, that brings to mind just based on size alone and whatnot, uh, Julian Edelman, he's suddenly emerging as like a go-to guy. And clearly, uh, you know, I think we've all liked his game, punt returns, what have you, kind of filling in for Welker here and there in the past few years. But suddenly, maybe out of necessity, he's Brady's go-to guy, but he, he's, you know, he's producing big time. Yeah, Edelman, Edelman played a great game last night. and The yards aren't huge. He only had 78 yards, but, but it's 13 receptions on 18 targets that you look at. And you just say, wow. I mean, there you can clearly tell that Tom Brady trusts him and – it may be out of necessity, but Edelman is taking that quote-unquote Patriots mentality. He's the next man up. He has to make the plays with Danny Amendola going down, and he sure did. He made a couple big third-down receptions, and then, as usual, he put them in good field position with his punt returns, as you mentioned. Um, last night, both punters, uh, they got their fair share of work, and Edelman took advantage of his punt returns, unlike Kyle Wilson on the Jets side, who for some reason, decided not to line up deep on punts three times last night. Wow. That's some good stuff, needless to say. Let's go to the other side of the equation, Geno Smith. I mean, I used to cover the West Virginia Mountaineers back in the day uh, at Big East Football Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island. Two years ago, I talked with Geno Smith, was very impressed as he was entering his senior year as the Mountaineer. And I, I see an NFL quarterback there, you know, forget this whole Sanchez thing or the drama and all that with the Jets. I look at the guy and I know he threw, you know, three interceptions in the fourth quarter and whatnot. I was watching Red Zone Live last uh, Sunday, so I saw that victory by the Jets. And, uh, but, you know, I just look at him, and, you know, he belongs on an NFL field. I, I've instantly reached that conclusion. How do you feel about that? I completely agree with you. I think you see the makings of an NFL quarterback. Right, exactly. And he, he walks around with a chip on his shoulder after falling to the second round, and you could tell he, he really wants to prove that he's that NFL quarterback. And unlike what most people think, Geno Smith has the build and the speed and the athleticism of a a pistol quarterback, you know, somebody who will run the ball a lot. He really, he, he didn't run very much at all. He ran three times for 17 yards. He likes to stand in the pocket and throw it, and he has an elite arm strength. And I think that with a little more time to develop, maybe a change of offensive coordinator where he's not being put in so many bad positions, that he really has a chance to become something special for the Jets in the future. I agree. I agree. Again, you said it perfectly. The makings of an NFL quarterback. I am not overlooking, you know, the picks and this and that with him. But one thing for sure, the, being at the stadium. The interceptions were, were terrible decisions. There's there's no excusing yes. them. Correct. But there were times during last night's game where he had the number of the Patriots defense and he looked very good, as he did in week one. And people want to get on him about the, the bad decisions. And I think it's unfair to Geno because last year's rookie quarterback class with Griffin and Luck 
and Wilson, it set the bar extremely high for this year's class when he's really the only rookie quarterback that is, is going to play a significant amount and make an impact on his team. And he looked like a rookie at times last night. Last year, the rookie quarterbacks looked like seasoned veterans. This year, there's going to be some growing pains in New York. But I think in the long run, Smith is definitely going to be a, a good NFL quarterback for a lot of years. I agree. I agree. And one thing that we got to see in person that just really uh, is tough to replicate on TV, he has quite an arm. He really cut loose on a lot of throws, not just a couple, a lot. I mean, he was really putting it downfield. And, uh, you know, I love the ball he throws. I was very impressed with that. I agree. And more or less his receivers let him down last night. Stephen Hill had a, a tough night for the Jets. He had eight targets. He caught four balls. Probably about three more of them hit him directly in the hands, and he dropped them, um, one of which up the seam really could have gone for a touchdown. So I think his, his receivers may have let him down a little bit, but like you said, his arm, his arm is definitely an NFL arm. No doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, well, I think it's going to be fun, and then we can't uh, you know, end this segment without talking about how the game ended, which, of course, was the big fight on the sidelines. Uh, with Nick Mangold banging into uh, Akib Talib, and uh, that was that, that, that was that was uh, intense to say the least. It was. I think uh, I think that the commissioner's office is going to be a little bit busy today. There I was agree. Uh, a lot going on there, and you had Cologne and Ferguson get thrown out for the Jets. It, it's been a long time since you've seen anyone ejected, but. From the, the looks on TV and seeing it up close, there were there were some punches thrown that may have gotten missed. I think there's going to be a lot of fines coming from both teams, but I really I just I didn't like the hit from Mangold. Um, it was it was out of bounds. It was low, and he's he's a 315, 320 pound man, and to keep the lead blaze, 190 pounds. There's no need to go low on him push him out of bounds, let it be over with. I think that the, the nature of the hit was more what caused the fight than anything. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, for Patriot fans and I'm sure Patriot players, I mean, it's, it may sound a little strange, but you just cannot overstate the importance of Aqib Tlaib. Anybody who was in that stadium last year for the AFC title game or watching on TV, but certainly in stadium, the moment he went out against the Ravens, the, the entire game changed instantly. Oh, absolutely. And he, he's no world beater. Keep to leave is a very good corner, and he's the best corner on this team. And through two weeks, he's shown it. Last Bingo. night, he had the, the forced fumble and then the two interceptions where, say what you want about the throws, he still has to go and make the play. And he's changing that defensive backfield. I think... Having the, the right side of your defensive backfield be Devin McCourty and Aqib Tlaib really brings a good playmaking presence. And Tlaib really has turned this defense around because it allows Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia to be a little more aggressive on the front. You saw that throughout the night last night. Chandler Jones, Tommy Kelly, Rob Ninkovich getting consistent pressure on, on Geno Smith. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Well, Matt, just a great, great analysis on your part of the game. It was uh, weirdly entertaining, is how I would call it, between the rain, the, the 
you know, the quick start by the Patriots, and then it just sort of slogged down like the weather. But, you know, bottom line, the end of the game, you know, it was obviously a one-possession game. The Jets had a couple of shots to win the game with the ball in their hands down, you know, uh, with, you know, down less than seven. Couldn't do it, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's what you want to see. I mean, it was a game that went to the end, and then the end was uh, punctuated with the, f- with the fight. So, all in all, pretty interesting start to the Patriots season, to say the least. Uh, that might be an understatement, but they're 2-0, and and they're 2-0 in the division, and they have 10 days until they play their next game, and it's against Tampa Bay, who, so far this week, they've been... Uh, They've been an interesting team to look at with the whole Josh Freeman, Greg Schiano situation going on down there. So I think the Patriots' real test is going to come week four when they take on Atlanta. But 2-0 is a great way to start, and we'll see how they continue to progress as they get healthier. Exactly. And maybe best of all, in a big-picture sort of way, I felt that last night the Jets-Patriots rivalry got restored a little bit. It's been, you know... Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that fight at the end, you're going to see later in the season when they take each other on again, I think there's going to be that that increase in the hatred, if you want to call it that. And the rivalry, you know, it, it, had, it had gone downhill in the past couple of years with the decline of Mark Sanchez. And yep. that game last night, it's just it brought the hatred back to New England and to New York as well. Indeed it did, and the NFL's a better place when these two teams don't like each other. So, uh, And being in New England, going to Patriots games is a better place, too, when uh, rivalries are uh, back in business. So, Well, Matt, again, I just want to thank you so much for calling in. Uh, today was your first time. It certainly won't be your last. Uh, your insights were great, and uh, we look forward to having you on again in the, in the very near future. Great. Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for having me on, and Fans can uh, get in touch with me on on Twitter. I'm football with hand, and check out Pro Football Spot and football.com, and I'd love to hear from. Them. Great, and your last name, just uh, for our listeners, is L A P A N. Yes, sir. And again, you are a uh, the Patriots writer for Pro Football Spot, as well as an NFL draft writer for football.com. That's right. Terrific. Well, once again. Great to get your insight live from Gillette Stadium uh, from last night's game. And we look forward to having you on again in the future, Matt. Thanks again. And uh, we're going to take our break now. And next up will be A.P. Stedham, our weekly call-in expert from Bama Magazine to discuss the game of the year tomorrow, Alabama and Texas A&M. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the Transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm great, John. I'm, I'm raring to go for this weekend. How are you? It's the same. I'm doing well and also raring to go for tomorrow. I mean, you and I... I've logged a lot of time over the course of the last year talking about the game of the year tomorrow, Texas A&M versus Alabama in College Station, Texas. Hard to believe it's finally here, about 26 hours away. So, uh, you know, I, I know that you wrote an excellent article uh, just the other day about where you interviewed uh, Gene Stallings and R.C. Slocum. Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to both of those former A&M coaches. And, of course, Gene Stallings won a national championship coaching Alabama. So uh, I really had a good time with them. It was was funny to uh, speak to Coach Stallings. He was kind of reluctant to tell me about uh, Alabama beating Texas A&M, but he he did feel that Alabama would win the game. Yeah, uh, you know, it's been uh, a fascinating week leading up to it with, you know, uh, the game itself needs no help. It needs no distractions. It needs nothing. It's going to be just, again, uh, appointment television. But there were some other things going on. I mean, Nick Saban basically walking out of the press conference yesterday, uh, in effect storming off the podium just about, uh, you know, with this Yahoo Sports report out there naming a couple Alabama players, former Alabama players, let me be clear. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say uh, Nick Saban has his game face on based on what I saw yesterday. Yeah, he's he's definitely re- ready, and I think it was kind of predictable after that third question. He gets kind of annoyed when he begins a press conference and uh, delineates where that where that uh, wall will be, where you can jump over if you're brave enough. And he took a couple of questions in that third one, just sent him over the top and and he he wasn't going to answer any specifics because, as you know, John, when things are in the in the system, when you're investigating the situation, it it doesn't make good sense to put things out there. You know, you have to do a thorough investigation and 
and they'll, they'll, their time will come when they'll present something to the media and the NCAA. Right, but as we both know, the media doesn't wait. Uh, right, right. And it's and it, and it was for good television yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you do get something like that, and you know, there's the, the word patience does not exist in our uh, the twenty four seven news cycle, shall we say? But why don't we just talk a little X's and O's? Because I know you're you're good at that. I mean, nobody knows this game like you. Nobody knows Alabama like you. What, what do you think is going to happen between the white lines at three thirty tomorrow Eastern time? Yeah, my eyes will initially be on the Alabama offensive line against the Texas A&M defensive line, John. Uh, you know, they've given up about 30 points the first two games, Texas A&M. So I'm interested to see if Alabama's line could come together after a less than stellar performance against Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech, I think, will, it'll bear out that they probably have a, a top 20, top 25 defense, but they gave Alabama hell that first weekend when they were sliding and through the gaps and, you know, coming at angles for that, for the three new players on the, uh, Alabama's offensive line. So, and another thing when I was looking at that game, when Alabama went on top, I think that Nick Saban kind of pulled in the reins. He wasn't going to get too fancy or be too much of a showman that day and leave some things for the A&M coaches to, to ponder. So they had two weeks off. And you know, you know, by week, you know, essentially two weeks, and the communication should be better, and we shall see what happens against that Texas A&M defensive line. And I look for Alabama to have a good day rushing if they're going to win the game uh, to keep the ball off the field, you know, from, from away from Johnny Manziel and have him on the sideline so he he can't be carrying on any of his antics that drive defenses crazy. Well, exactly. So, how do you think? I mean. The other subject we've talked about just about as much as this game, probably more, is just Johnny Manziel himself. What do you expect from him? Obviously, a year ago is when when he made his name beating Alabama. That's the day Johnny Football was basically born. And uh, what do you expect from him tomorrow? Yeah, he's going to be a great like he's been since his, you know last year, John. Uh, when I talked to Gene Stallings the other day, a lot of people were mentioning that Nick Saban rarely loses loses a second game to a, a team. But Stallings brought up a great point: not many teams have a Johnny Manziel. So exactly. I think he'll he'll give Alabama fits, but I think there'll be more lane integrity, and Alabama's defense will be more disciplined. Uh, one thing going into this game, John, when you're watching, look for number 32, C.J. Mosley, All-American linebacker for Alabama. He He's the designated spy for this game. Uh, okay. Last year, if, if you can recall, one of the first series, Johnny Manziel took off the center and left uh, C.J. in the dust. And I'm sure C.J. has watched that video many, many times, seen it on TV, and so he'll be more focused and and, and be better prepared this year to contend with Johnny Menzel. I mean, he's one of the fastest quarterbacks I've ever seen and the shiftiest as well. And he can turn on a dime and, you know, you can be in good position to tackle him, but it's very difficult to get him on the ground. Yes, and I'm sure CJ has seen it on the loop that has been basically <laughs> of last year's game that's basically been playing in the Alabama locker room for about 360 days in a row. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he's a good, he's an excellent football player. I mean, just to give you an idea, there's only 25 consensus SEC All-Americans, and three of them are from Alabama. CJ has the chance, I believe, to be the fourth. 
that, that's the level of his uh, production on the field. So, you know, he's an all-time player. He could be an all-time player at Alabama. Wow. Uh, absolutely. No, he, he is. Uh, he, he may be the second most important player on the field tomorrow. Uh, you know, next to Manziel, obviously. And uh, given how he performs, he might ultimately, at the end of the game, be have turned out to be the most important player on the field. Like you said, he, it sounds like he might be shadowing uh, Johnny Manziel, almost like a boxing one in basketball, if you will. <laughs> and... You know, I, I, the big question I have here 24 hours before the game is just, you know, does Johnny Manziel have Alabama's number? It's just that simple. I mean, I've seen some statistics today. They were running on ESPN of what Manziel did in that game versus what other quarterbacks have done, be it game, season, or in recent years. And just eye-popping, startling what happened last year in that one game. So was it an aberration? Does Johnny Manziel have their number? Uh, you know, Alabama, I mean, Nick Saban, of course, is, you know, unemotional. and uh, But you know that he's just been waiting, counting the hours since last year for this game. Not, not the hours today, the hours for like a whole year. So they're going to come out like on fire, Alabama. That's the way I see it. That, I think that first quarter is obviously going to be critical. Yeah, I think you're correct, John. And last year, and I know there are two different teams this year, but last year Alabama came off that emotional win against LSU. You know, that's their mirror image. Big, fast, powerful. They beat each other up. And I think Alabama was a step slow coming out of the gate. And A&M was right on their game. And Johnny Man- Manziel make him look, made him look really bad. Uh, it, because, you know, the defensive line, I tell people it was like a jailbreak that first couple of series. Well, there's no big defensive lineman going to chase down Johnny Mansell. He's too shifty, too fast. So that's why the defensive line, their, their rush, um, you know, north and, you know, north towards the quarterback has to be disciplined and stay in your lane because if you create an opening on one side, he's gone. You're watching the backside of him run, run past you and create problems for the linebackers in the secondary. So I think Alabama, they got a rhythm after, you know, it was 20 nothing in the first quarter, and Alabama seemed to slow them down as the game progressed. And I think this year that you'll see Alabama do a better job. Now, that's not to say Johnny Manziel's not going to make some plays, because I think the operative word for Alabama going into the game is contain. So he's going to make some plays, but are you going to drop your head and let him continue to, to uh, you know, move the ball down the field. You have to be ready for the next play. You have to come back with enthusiasm to, to be ready to stop him and, and, you know, get a three and out, you know, so you can get him off the field. Excellent perspective, no doubt about it. One thing's for sure, this is a game where you want to be in front of your television for kickoff. You do not want to miss one play because I think, for, you know, the opening five, ten plays is going to really, really uh, set the tone Big time, Alabama's just going to come out on fire. Texas, Texas A&M knows it. Manziel himself knows it. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what they're going to counter with, how they're going to react to all that. So uh, AP, excellent observation. Uh, great perspective. Now you've got me really excited for the game. And uh, let's take a break now, and we'll still talk a little more college football on the other side.
fortunate flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack! With uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, finally, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is obviously the Alabama-Texas A&M game. And A.P., we were talking about it in the previous segment. Uh, I'll bet you have a little more uh Topical points to run bias as well. So, what what else do you have to say about the Alabama Texas A and M game of the year, John? I think from Texas A and M's perspective, they're going to test those Alabama quarterbacks with their taller receivers. I think they had three or four receivers, let's say six, two or three or better. And, and uh, Mike Evans, you know, gave Alabama fits last year. He's he's had four catches in every game in his fifteen game career. So, you know, and he's averaging 18-plus yards per reception. So he's one to watch out, Mike Evans. And then, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones with an All-American everything coming out of high school, 6'5", 6'6". He's going to be playing this game as well. So those Alabama quarterbacks that are, you know, six foot six one, they're going to have their hands full, and I'm sure they'll be tested early and often. No doubt about it. Uh, well, again, yeah, great perspective as well. And, uh the game is on CBS. That's who televises the SEC. And uh, I understand you were part of a conference call with Gary Danielson, the CBS announcer, this week. Yeah, sure was, John. It, it, they have the their preseason teleconference usually that Monday before the first game they televised. Had a chance to talk, speak with Gary. And one thing he mentioned that 
was interesting. He thought at the beginning of last year's game, Alabama got too a little bit too fancy on the sideline. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, he thought there was too much commotion going on, too many calls, it was too frantic, and, you know, they tried to do too many things. When you're having that up-tempo offense, sometimes you have to simplify it and just man up, and you try to get too complicated, you outsmart yourself. So maybe the sideline control will be a little bit more even killed this year since they had a chance to play against them uh, the first time last year. So, you know, that's one of the points he made, and also he... He noted that A.J. McCarron, he did not play his best game. Uh, in some of his throws, he he delineated, you know, he, he had defined them as maybe like a C throw. Then if, if it was a B throw, even on that, that last drive, it was, if it was a B throw, the Alabama receiver would have caught it in stride and, and went into the end zone for a touchdown. There would have been no uh, fourth down interception. So, right. you know, maybe A.J. and he, A.J.'s had a – Every time he's played against a team, and maybe give him a little trouble. Next time he's performed quite well, so maybe that happens this Saturday. But it's on the road, a big crowd. We'll, we shall see what happens. Um, the twelfth man, I'm not sure. Texas A and M should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think A uh, and M, the, the new receivers they have, you know, whether they become they become a Ryan Swope or not, but I think they're pretty talented and they have the ability to replace him and doing a fantastic job. But, uh, you know, it, it should be quite interesting. I mean, everybody can't wait to this game. The ticket's the highest price ever. It, it's going to be incredible. Uh, even Gene Stallings and R.C. Slocum, they told me they cannot recall a bigger game in the history of the university. Wow. That's saying something. It, it sure uh, is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it sure is, John, to be making those comments when you're playing Texas every year and, uh, through the years, Oklahoma and some other teams have come into town. So for this to be the biggest game, I mean, I think because it's the combination of you know, returning Heisman Trophy winner, yep. you know, they're undefeated, they have a chance to do something in the SEC Western Division. They beat the defending champion last year in Tuscaloosa. I mean, it's a confluence of, of things coming together for that to happen. Oh, definitely. Uh, what are the tickets going for? What kind of prices are you oh, here? Oh, it, it's in the six hundred dollar range, John. Right now, six hundred, six hundred and something dollars right now. Yeah, the average. Just, that's the average price. Wow, just to get in the house. Right to get in, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, for regular season game, the the second or third one of the year, that's pretty steep. Oh, that's unbelievably steep. Uh, wow. Well, I totally expect Alabama to be business-like, but in the same light, I can only imagine, you know, the atmosphere with the 12th man inside that stadium is going to be about as unbusiness-like as you could ever imagine, so I think it's going to be an interesting combination. Yeah, R.C. Slocum said the house will be rocking. The house will be rocking. I'm sure if uh, Nick Saban had his way, they'd, they'd be playing it, in, you know, in, in front of an empty Empty set of stands and just, you know, <laughs> let's play football without any of the outside distractions. But again, uh, Texas A&M, known for the famous, famous, famous 12th man. They invented the phrase. They patented it. And uh, the 12th man is going to be, you know, reach its all-time peak tomorrow. It has to, don't you think? Oh, oh yeah, it sure will. And, you know, I had a chance to talk to Vern Lundquist as well. And he, his next-door neighbor years ago was DX Bible. 
so his next door neighbor in Austin, so he knows all about that twelfth man, and you know uh, he was he raised in Texas, so he's looking forward. This is the first time that CBS is going down there to cover a game, so uh, I know Vern is really excited because you know he was there last year when they had all the former Junction boys from the, the 50, 54, the Texas A&M team, come back to visit, and they had been get-together at the Bryant Museum. I was fortunate to be there and cover the event and speak to quite a few of those uh, gentlemen, and they're you know, very gracious. And the weekend was spectacular for them because they, they won the game, and they all 20, I think it was 27 of them that came back. And so this year... Uh, they'll be at the George Bush Library, and all the Alabama former players are welcome to have a little reception. Wow. Well, you know, just as we close here, we're down under 30 seconds, but I saw where a Texas A&M license plate sold for like $115,000, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, some, some ridiculous number. I saw that. Incredible. Incredible. Well, I think on that note, we'll close the show. I think we've... Uh, Covered the game pretty well. Should be fun. All of America will be watching, to say the least. And AP, thank you so much for your inside perspective. Excellent, as always. My pleasure, John. Thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you, Voice America listeners, for tuning in today to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.